This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. When they come, and they will, they'll come for you. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Because if we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. Welcome to the Ultimate Marvel Podcast number eight. Feels like it's been forever. Um, maybe because it has been. <laughs> the last one was on January twentieth. It's like wow, over a month ago. That's too long. Yeah, that's way too long. We need to uh, at least do a bi-monthly. I know, and our Twitter feed's been blowing up about getting an episode out. I know, I know. So what's going on with you, man? Anything new? I got promoted in a different job, so I'll have human hours again. So <laughs> it's just, the show should start coming out regularly. No, so. no more ninety-hour weeks. No more ninety, hundred and six-hour weeks. Yeah, crazy. I uh, I just learned yesterday that Adam Warlock is in yeah. an episode is in episode eleven of the Silver Surfer animated series. I don't know if you've seen that. I, I don't watch animated series, so I didn't even know there was a Silver Surfer. Series. That's what I was going to say. I didn't even know. But there is one, and Warlock's in it. So I looked it up, and it's it's cool. It's like total 90s Starlin Warlock, the, that costume, with the skull and the, on his chest and, and the gem in his forehead. Um, if you're a Warlock fan, it's, it's cool to check out, because I don't, I don't think he's ever made any other appearances on TV. Well, now you got me intrigued because is this Surfer cartoon? Is it something that's coming out new or has it? No, it's it's old. Oh, it's old. Okay. Yeah. The entire episode eleven, at least, is on YouTube though. Okay. So pause what you're doing right now. Yeah. Go into your YouTube machine and okay. watch it. Because we know how many warlock nuts there are out there. <laughs> like, There's a couple. Yeah, two of us. <laughs> So I think we should mention that the trade contest again because um, Michael Sparkman was super generous and he's donating a bunch of Marvel trades and hardcovers to the podcast, which we mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. but I'll reiterate it because they're in the mail right now. Yeah. Um, and I, we th- I thought it was just trades, but it's actually there's some really nice hardcovers in there too, which are pretty valuable. Um, and we're going to give them away. And who do we say? What I think it, we said if you leave a review on iTunes. Yep. Right? Leave yep. us a review on iTunes and then email us your address and we'll send you one or maybe even a couple of these. Um, what's our email address? <laughs> That's probably good to give out. Ultimate Marvel Podcast at Gmail. Okay. Everything spelled out. Everything spelled out. And does it have to be a positive review? No. They could say, like, yeah. you suck, and they still get a... Yeah, we can get a half-a-star review and still get an entry. But do they still get a, 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 a trade? Well, if the number generator says they do. <laughs> we prefer I mean, pos- obviously, reviews. we're going to shoot for four- and five-star reviews, but yeah. Yeah. We don't, we're not fake on the show, so I don't want them to have fake reviews either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you might not get the best hardcover <laughs> if, you, if you're trashing us. That's funny. Um, 
What other news we got? Uh, I saw that they just cast um, Maximus the Mad for the Inhumans I know. TV show. I'm pumped about it too. Yeah. Who is? Do you it? know who? I do. Uh, I don't know if I can say his name right. So uh, go for it. Because <laughs> I don't know if I can either. Um, he was on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Right. Yep. And what, which 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 character was he on Game of Thrones? He was Ramsey Bolton. Okay. So we can just go with that, right? Yeah. His real name is like Iwan. Iwan Rayon or something, I think. Yeah. But I don't know how to go. pronounce it yeah. either. But he was awesome. Yeah. On that show. He was, yeah, he was awesome as Ramsey, so you can amplify that times ten and you should get Maximus. Oh, yeah. And I hated, hated Ramsey, so like now I already hate Maximus <laughs> yeah. just by this casting. Yeah. Um, I think this is an awesome sign for the show too because they're not casting just nobody actors like he's a pretty legit like first class actor yeah yep, um, agreed they also have a title for the show a working title did you see that no it's called Project Next Inhumans Project Next Hmm. That's not that exciting of news. Uh, well, it's kind of interesting that they would do that, though, or go that route. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, because this is not just, like, a, a another random character show, like Legion. But this is actual the royal inhuman family, like Black Bolt. Medusa. <coughs> and now Maximus. Yes. Yeah, um, it's the actual key players, though. Yeah. So, hopefully it'll be better than some other superhero shows that are on TV at the moment. <laughs> you sound like you're thinking of something specific. <laughs> well, no. I mean, just in general, really. Because I did, I did want to talk about one Marvel particular one that came out. Um, Shield. Well, no, Legion. Ah. Well, first, how do you feel about Shield so far this season? Um, this season is probably one of my favorite. I'm still like two episodes behind because of the work schedule, but um, I think. This season has really ramped it up and been one of the best ones. I totally agree. I thought Ghost Rider was awesome, and then when he like they segued him out in the second half, mm-hmm. I was kind of like thought it might not be as good, but I think the second half might even be better. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's LMD. I also like the way they sort of it almost is like comic book story arcs the way they've structured the season like here's the ghost rider arc here's the lmd arc yeah yeah you know what lmd stands for life model decoy how can you not be a marvel <laughs> fan and not know what that stands for fair point <laughs> that's like not knowing what excelsior means <laughs> what do you want to say about legion um I, seems like there's mixed opinions yeah i I didn't 
really have like high super hopes for it per se when I saw the trailers and whatnot. But then if you're just going in for a fun show that just uses names from Marvel, then it's pretty decent. It's kind of slow, kind of. Their visual stuff is good, but like the plot's not there yet. So it's slow starting for me. But if you're going into it thinking that you're going to get a lot of comic book or movie or whatever references or Easter eggs, there's not really... You're going to be disappointed. Not so far. Yeah. Well, and it's not really tied in, right, to anything. Yeah, it's not. We're not sure. Well, there's some that still have hope out, but I don't think so at all. Because, like, when... um, I debated this twice this week. Like, in the premiere, in the very first episode, if you're going to connect it, then you're going to pimp out those well-known characters in that first episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like when S.H.I.E.L.D. did. They pimped out the event that happened. Or, you know, they even had um, Avengers toys that the little kid was playing with. Or, you know, something like that. But the first episode here really didn't have anything except for yeah. Legion by name, and they said mutant once. Well, they seem like they're going to dig into the mutant, the whole mutant thing at some point. Um, but it started off with him not really knowing if he's, um, if he's crazy or not. True. So I think they're kind of segue into that a little bit slower as he as they reveal more about what he actually is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope two, three episodes of Ultimate Marvel podcast, I come back and be like, I'm totally <laughs> wrong. That it finally you think is starting. Keep on the way it has. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't see it referencing hardly anything really. Like. Fox had this great idea for the show and then they were like oh well we have Marvel property why don't we just throw something on it you know and then rewrite it a little bit so it fits this so we can pimp it out as Marvel something but not really use anything well the the end of episode 2 kind of gave me hope that it's going to develop a little bit because I feel the same way as you do I've been watching this for two episodes and I've been thinking okay this is kind of interesting but I don't want a, a whole season of just like you know chaos and not knowing what any what's going on because he's psycho yeah. but the end of episode two uh, where he's now going to go he, well he's trying to save his sister right mm-hmm. that sort of led me to believe okay maybe this is going to start developing into more of a hero type story where he has to play the role of a hero he has to get a grip on reality first of all before he can do anything right um and then he's going to go save her and there's going to be a more defined villain Mm -hmm. but the same director that does this did fargo too yeah and like did you watch fargo well it really didn't start picking up until like halfway through either i mean it was intriguing and and slow starting but it really didn't start setting the table per se yeah. until i would say episode three or four yeah so 
<clears throat> but yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, it's it's the show is like it's interesting enough that I'll keep watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I but I do hope it it uh, I I do hope it develops a little bit more. I mean, even even right now, it's almost like reading Moonlight. Like you don't you don't know. Sometimes I don't even understand what is the real story and what is just a delusion. Because right. it, it cuts back and forth, and, um, yeah. and you think, okay, now this is the real story, and then all of a sudden it'll jump to something else. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and it's a little bit hard to follow, so uh, hopefully they clean it up. I, I know they're kind of doing that on purpose right now, but hopefully it's not doesn't drag on a whole season like that. Um, did you see the uh, tr- latest trailer of Iron Fist? I have not. You haven't? No. Oh, my gosh. It looks amazing. It's, I think, everything you would ex- expect out of a Marvel Netflix series thus far. It, I'm trying to think. I did see a trailer, but I don't think it's the newest one. I mean, I saw the teaser, and then I saw a trailer. Is this, like, another trailer, or is there only actual one full-length one out? Uh, well, they had the teaser trailer. This is the, I think this is the, the this is the only full length one, and this came out probably. It might have came out about two weeks ago. I saw it a little bit late, so it seems oh, okay. new to me. Where he actually comes back or whatever, and where they show him, they they reveal a little bit more of the story where he's been isolated. I think uh, they show him as a kid being sucked out of an airplane. I think with his family. And uh-huh. then he returns back to his comp- his family family's business after. Yeah, you- I, I think I did see that. Is that like where he walks through the thing and they're not letting him in? Right, right, right. And yep. he, and, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, then that's the one I saw. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the comic book Danny Rand, though, that I'm used to. Um, no, not yet. But I, we'll see. I have hopes. Yeah. This is... Now, like, when they first announced, like, at the very beginning of the Netflix series, like, before Daredevil was even started production, this is the one that I was hyped for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just because I've always liked Iron Fist, and it has that mystic, like, kung fu ability type thing, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's cool how each one of the Netflix series so far has sort of had a different spin to it. A, a yeah. different, like, cultural feel to it. Yeah. Like its own different genre, almost, yeah. really. Yeah, Daredevil was very uh, uh, Hell's Kitchen. Daredevil actually felt a lot like the comic to me. Just the whole yeah. dark sort of yeah. feel to it. Um, Jessica Jones was a little bit more psycho, mysterious. Head trippy, yeah. What about Luke Cage? Where do you think that one? That is sort that of... More, is that more like a action-ish? Well, it sort of like emphasized more of the African-American culture of, uh, uh, of New York, I think, is what they okay. were playing on, even the soundtrack and everything, right? Well, yeah. I just meant like movie genre style, you oh. know? I don't know. <laughs> well, I was just saying because, like, I think um, Jessica Jones was more like trippy, 
trippy. I, I don't want, I don't want to say like horror style, but it wasn't okay. really like drama either. You know what I mean? As to where Daredevil was more like crime drama. Yeah. Style. So what other any other news? Um, not that I'm aware of. I I got one thing, and I sort of have an axe to grind. Uh oh. And and maybe you're going to um, butt heads with me. Okay. I never know with you. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> but did you see the article that was posted on the Valiant Central Facebook page yesterday? Or was it today? No, it was yesterday. It depends. The one about okay, so. Let me pull it up here. Um, so the title is Marvel Blames DC for Retailer Troubles. Okay. Um, supposedly, uh, Marvel's senior vice president, who also is like the head of sales and marketing, David Gabriel, um, right. told retailers that the reason they're for their sort of downturn lately uh, which, by the way, Marvel still the, has a lead in the comic market share, so it's not like they're falling behind anybody. But they have taken a dip this year in 2016. Uh, but he said the reason for that downturn is because of DC's decision to price books at $299. Um, which, first of all, is a stupid like PR move because everybody's just going to roll their eyes when you say that. Um, right. But then the article goes on to um, talk about how instead of that, he should be sort of placing the blame on the fact that they've pushed some books up to five or six bucks each, which has created sort of like customer fatigue. Um, and anyway, somebody posted that on the Valiant Central page, and we sort of went back and forth about it. Um, and my first inclination was, okay... Sure, that's that's a you know I'll, I, everybody's first response to that is okay. That's ridiculous. There's been sort of this portrayal that uh, Marvel's raising prices, DC's lowering prices. But when I started digging into this and we started going back and forth talking about it, I feel like there's some deception. Um, and I don't want to. I hate. I almost don't want to talk about. I, I really want to talk about this, but there's a part of me that doesn't because, like, it's going to make me sound like a Marvel apologist, which I don't want to be. Like, there's right. there's there's stuff that Marvel does I don't like. Like, I don't like the way they're uh, we're talking about writers lately, and it seems like uh, you know they have a. It seems like they're not supporting and, and their writers as much as other publishers are, and because of that, they're losing. Sometimes they're losing people that um we like that we prefer to stick around so there's things that i don't like but i almost feel like even though this was a stupid thing for him to say it's it's totally justified um for a couple reasons one the dc bi-monthlies count twice in the market share so, like, if you're a subscriber to Batman, let's say all you subscribe to is Batman and Avengers. Well, mm-hmm. you're giving DC two hits per month compared to one for Marvel, right? Right. But it's, and, I, and I've talked about that before, and it makes it, it, that makes the numbers look a little bit inflated, um, mm-hmm. especially since those bi-monthly books are DC's top character books. They're bestsellers, and they're always at the top of the list. Um, so... 
so anyways, the conversation on Facebook, here, here, here's what it was. It was DC's charging $2.99 for books. Marvel's charging five or six bucks for like, for like event books. Like I think Civil War, all the books were $5.99, right? Yes, um, So the idea here is, okay, Marvel's the bad guy. They're charging more. DC's the good guy. They're charging less. So I said, okay, let's dig into this. The, the first obvious difference, so I, I grabbed Superman number one, which I read, and I grabbed Civil War because it's the most recent $6 book I had. Okay. The first obvious difference in the two was Civil War, obviously it's much higher quality cover stock. Uh, I mean, there's even glossy, part, partly glossy cover. It's double-sided front and back covers with uh, you know a clear, better book design, superior book design. But that aside, I did a page count on both books. Um, Civil War had 41 story pages. Right? Right. That's pages with story like art or con- some, some type of content related to the story. 41 pages. It had 11 pages of ads or non-story content. Superman, number one, had 18 story pages uh, and 20 pages of ads, non-story. And it actually, right in the middle of Superman... There's actually eight straight pages of ads before the story continues. So, and you're buying that twice a month. So really, it's 36 story pages versus 41 in Civil War. Um, so really, comparatively speaking, you're getting the same amount of story. The only difference is one is in a, a $6 issue. The other is in two $3 issues. So I felt like that sort of justified Marvel a little bit, and then somebody um, immediately replied, well, but then Marvel also bumps up the some books to $5, um, just regular, like, number one issue. So I grabbed the first $5 issue I could, which was Uncanny Inhumans, and it had, I counted the pages, and it had 30 stories, 30 pages of story, um, which averages out $5 divided by 30, 17 cents for per page uh with superman three dollars divided by 18 story pages is also exactly 17 cents per page so if you look past just that number that cover price number right you're paying exactly the same amount for the same amount of story the difference is in my opinion it's a little bit deceptive because readers think they're getting twice as much content from dc Mm -hmm. um but they're not. <laughs> two two <laughs> Which, issues is the same as one issue of the five ninety nine one. Right. Yeah. Right. Those the, right. those bi monthly issues are half the size right. of a six dollar Marvel event book. Right. So basically it's breaking even. Yeah, it's the same it's the same deal. Yeah, same deal. That's what I meant. So I thought maybe he's got a point. Maybe they've looked at the numbers and there's something to this. Um, I think, at least from the conversations I've had, people feel like they're getting a better value with the DC bi-monthly rebirth books. Yeah, and I can see that too. Yeah, I did too. I mean, I, mean, I can see how they think that or why they think that, rather. Yeah. I thought you were going to debate me being the, like, 
Marvel and DC podcast guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, when you said the stock cover, that's just because it was an event book, though, right? Right. But that's their $6 book. They don't. I don't. I haven't noticed a six dollar Marvel book that wasn't so high, higher quality. Okay, that, that's fair enough. I was just curious. And Valiant does that too. Usually, their big event books like Divinity is on a nicer cover stock. Yeah. Um, than say Ninja Twenty Six or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um. Anyways, that's my my spiel. Now. You might get a better deal though. Aren't aren't some of the Rebirth books two ninety nine and they come out once a month? Yes, for now. But they're they're I think either starting now or starting in April. The one month, the books that come out one month go are going up a dollar. But their digital is still staying a dollar less. Okay, I was going to say that might be the best deal, but. Um, because somebody else also replied, "Well, all of Marvel others books are three ninety nine, not two ninety nine." So I was like, "Well, okay, fine, but that's the regular price across for you know yeah. most publishers." The standard ones, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, and of course, I'm sure there's people like, "Well, DC's better anyways because DC." is better story-wise and Marvel sucks or whatever, or Marvel's better and DC sucks, you know, because there's always that ill-relevant right. argument yeah. about it. Yeah, somebody said that too. I didn't, get, I didn't get into that because it's sort of, I mean, that's your opinion. And yeah, well, I would debate you, but you actually did your homework and actually... I should have told you before the podcast, right? You could, right, well, I'm just saying... That, some numbers. yeah. <laughs> You actually had some substance to what you were saying or what you're debating instead of, you know, just shooting from the hip type thing. Yeah, and what I didn't do is go through all my $6. I mean, maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe my other 5 and $6 book, the page counts would be different, but um, the first ones I grabbed, it seemed pretty, it seemed like Marvel was trying to give you more for that. They're not just jacking up the price without giving right. you more right. in the book. So, anyways, speaking of comics, Marvel Comics, uh, which ones are you enjoying the most since we last talked? Um, I'm still high on the Clone Conspiracy event, the Spider-Man event. Okay. I know you don't read Spider-Man all that much besides Spider-Man, right? The mild one? Yeah, that's the only one I'm reading right now. Um... I honestly think that this clone conspiracy event could be... Is it good? Uh, yeah, I think it's the best Marvel event for a while. Huh. At least, not like mainstream event, but like self-contained event. Yeah, um, so it's like, uh, when did it start? Like October, I think? Yeah, yeah I so think so. you got about an arc, maybe a little more uh, into it? Yeah, um, the event just ended, I think. Okay, I'll have to read it then. Um, it's Dan Slott, which I'm not, never been too big on him. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, 
Yeah, I mean that's taste wise. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you don't like him, I'm not. I'm not gonna try to use car salesman you on him. But I mean, if you can tolerate it, then at least give it a chance, and then yeah. go from there. You know? Yeah. Um, no, I'd definitely check it out. But it's it's kind of shook up the spider universe, really. And it also brought some players back, and it kind of can go other places also. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Um, basically, if you haven't read it, pause the podcast right now because I'll spoil it a little bit. But... Um, it's a clone conspiracy, so <clears throat> there's the main villain um, who you think's the jackal, but it ends up being somebody else, which I won't spoil. <clears throat> and um, they're actually cloning people or bringing back people that have died. And so the whole kicker is while you're doing, while he's doing that, he's roping Peter in to join forces with him because of Parker Industries because he's like Tony Stark now and has lots of money right um that the new the new U industry doesn't have um all the technology or all the funding so he wants Peter to help him and the clones can't stay a clone forever um or they can't stay themselves forever so they have to take a pill every 24 hours to maintain their composure or they'll disintegrate and decay and stuff huh so they're trying and then with the Parker Industries research team and all that then maybe they can um, find a cure where they don't have to take the pill but that's like the catch 22 is that's like the sales pitch for it we can bring your loved ones back that died that maybe, you know, was in a bad car wreck or died in war or whatever. Yeah. And then we bring them back good as new. But for this low, low cost, you have to buy this pill so they can take it every 24 hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the kicker is the jackal says that he can bring back, he can bring Ben back huh. for Peter. Oh, wow. And so... Then there's the fallout of that, and and it's going across like um, the Spider-Man titles, like Silk and Spider-Man. Okay. Are you reading all those too? Um, the I, I am shocker. I know, but actually, like um, if you just read from Amazing Spider-Man part of it, for me, I think those tie-in issues. It gives more substance and feeling to the actual event story. Right. Um, but, I mean, I guess that's just like with anything else. Huh. It has an event and tie-ins. You know, you want to get the whole picture of it. I'm surprised it didn't tie into uh, Miles Morales at all. I guess he's sort of in the Civil War yeah, the he's center of that. So. Thing, and this is more like past like villains and things that have have died okay. and, and they're bringing back and like Prowler even and Doc Ock is yeah, one cool. of the prevalent ones but Doc Ock really isn't a clone 
he's more like because he put his conscience into the little spider robot things and so then they actually clone the body or make the body and then he melts his actual soul or conscience into the clone yeah and so like the, at the end which I'm not going to spoil but um, it kind of sets it up to where Doc Ock and can live on again later on and kind of like what we've already seen like superior Spider-Man style but not with Peter <laughs> with a different character so it'll be cool and then um, I versus X obviously yeah ha- have you been liking that yeah that, yeah I think it's been good um, I don't I like it I like the I know there's a lot of uh, our friends even or you know that doesn't really like the whole thing but I mean they can point out potholes or you know this or that right but I I think overall it's it's pretty good and I just I can't really stand the art on it really. <laughs> I mean I'm not saying it's bad bad like JRJR bad but yeah. it's tough sometimes but yeah, the, I, the story's good, so I'm always more focused on the story than I am of the art. So, like, the art's just an afterthought for me. Yeah. So, but if the story's bad, then I notice the art right away, because then if you're reading a bad story, at least you have something pretty to look at. Yeah. Are you uh, still reading um, Jessica Jones? Yes, I am. Are you up to date on it? Yes, I am. Of course you are. Unless there's Ronnie. one that came out today, right? There isn't one that came out today. It came out last so. week, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, maybe two weeks ago. Okay. Um, I thought... So I love the first issue of it. Mm-hmm. And since the first issue, I was, I've been getting like quickly bored with it. Really? I like the first issue because it was... I mean, it was very edgy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something different. Um mm-hmm. But I was getting bored with it until the last issue, which is number five, I think. Yeah, I got it sitting over here. Yes, yep, um, number five. By the way, before I say what I was going to say, what do you think about the art in it? I, I think it fits the book. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like dark and gritty. Yep. Um, and sometimes when when the colors need to pop, the colors pop. Yeah. Uh, other times when it needs to be dull and dark, it's dull and dark. It's not dark and gritty that's finished. It's kind of still unfinished at times, mm-hmm. which I think it fits what's going on in the book. Which it's better to have. I mean, it's better to have art that coincides with the story or the feel of the story than. I really like where it's going. So, spoiler warning, by the way, if you haven't read this and you don't want to be spoiled, just I don't know, skip forward five minutes or so. <laughs> but I want to I want to recap this because I think it, it's going somewhere potentially really cool but in a nutshell like she's hired by a woman to investigate her husband because like he's you know psycho crazy and he's saying like he's from another reality Mm -hmm. Uh, but she wants jessica to find out what he's really up to and i totally bought into this i thought i assumed okay yeah he's just another delusional guy um i didn't think much past it and maybe that's why i was getting bored with it because there's a lot of stuff out sort of like that right now um but in this last issue, it turns out he's not crazy. And here's the spoiler part. Uh, 
but it turns out that he has like an awareness of the Secret Wars incursion event, right? Yep. Yep. And he knows that the current Marvel universe was just sort of randomly pieced together and memories and stuff aren't necessarily real. Um and then there's this whole weird morbid part where he actually kills his wife to prove this point that she's not really his wife and and to prove sort of that people are just sort of rewriting the universe as they see fit so it doesn't really matter if he kills his wife right um, so anyways but i the reason i found it so fascinating was because there's still these remnants of secret wars lingering around that pop up every now and then in different issues um and it makes me wonder if that story isn't really finished yet yeah um like do you think in some significant way they're going to circle back to to that at some point honestly yeah yeah i think that's how the whole new uh captain america event's gonna gonna tie in the new captain america event that's coming out this summer Okay. So nights, nights, whatever it is. Yeah. Now is that tying into the current title? Yeah. I need to pick that back up. I, I kind of lost interest in it, and I hadn't read it in the last couple months. It's more political than I would like, but right. Now that's cool. That's cool if it, if if that's the case. Um, uh, I mean, I think so because I mean, like him or hate him, like Nick. Nick Spencer like pushes the envelope a lot. Yeah. Whether it's a good envelope or a bad envelope. Right. But um, because I've heard this debate too is like, why would you spoil that he's Hydra already in issue one of Captain America Steve Rogers, and then in Civil or yeah Civil War two, why would we care if Miles kills Captain America or not? Yeah. Right. But right. But didn't that sort of unfold pretty quickly that he wasn't that there's a story behind it. he's not a secret hydra hydra agent. But he is. Huh? But he is. I don't remember what happened, but I thought like issue two it it immediately gave that context. No, he kinda is. But that's what I'm saying is like the whole remnants of Secret Wars could be this as well. Yeah. For this whole event. Because that, that's basically what the whole event is is going to be Red Skull and Hydra Cap with the new Cap outfit, green and gold. Yeah. Bars yeah. and stars. Yeah, so. So that's what... Okay, so I got another extra grind now that we're, we've gone here. Um, but... So, like, people always accuse Marvel of rebooting. Right. Um, but Secret Wars, my perspective has always been Secret Wars wasn't a reboot. And if you're following, reading these stories now, like Jessica Jones, neither is... This post-Secret Wars story, uh, like Hickman started the Incursion storyline 10 years ago in his Fantastic Four title, almost 10 years ago, I think. And he continued it all the way through Avengers, and it culminated in Secret Wars and is ultimately responsible for where we are now 
Um, but it wasn't like a hard start and stop. The storyline has been continuous, and I think this Jessica Jones issue and potentially Captain America uh, kind of backs that up, that this is all connected and the story's still unfolding. Right. Right? Right, yeah. Um, I think I think a lot of people that say it when they say rebooting are not using the term correctly. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, re, like Rebirth was a reboot, or New 52 was a reboot. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, because I, I didn't read New 52. I didn't read any of it. But was there a continuous storyline at all connecting? Not from the pre-52. Okay. So, not, that I, not that I know of. I mean, I didn't read everything back then, so there's still a lot of gaps that need to be filled, but... But from what I read of the new 52 and what I'm reading of the Rebirth titles now, Rebirth is like putting all the chess pieces on the table from 52 and pre-52. Yeah. Sort of pick and choosing which ones people like the best, right? Right, basically, yeah. Yeah. So, in a sense, I guess, Rebirth isn't really a reboot either in that sense because it's more like a company-wide event like what Secret Wars was you know what I'm saying yeah as to where New 52 was a reboot because they pretty much redid everything and didn't reference the past stuff at all right (laughs) if that makes sense But but like Rebirth is more like the DC version of Secret Wars as to where um, there's some new things that, you know, sprinkle this here, sprinkle that there from pre-52, new 52. Right. Yeah. As to where, like, Secret Wars and then now, yeah, we got fresh takes on characters and you know, it molded the Ultimate Universe and the 616 Universe together, basically. So then we killed off the characters that didn't matter right and then we kept the ones that did um but we still reference some some people still reference what happened and what didn't i i think the difference to me is to me my definition of a reboot is if you're doing this from an editorial perspective say we're just going to change this because it needs to change as opposed to you're doing it because the story is telling it that way you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. in superhero stories, there's always universal calamities happening, happening, right? And sometimes they're going to have effects. You know, when you're threatening the 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 universe, sometimes that's going to have effects that affect the universe. Yeah, I think for for me, I think it's like better that it's like a cold hard, cold stop type thing. Yeah. Uh, for me, that's like the better my my definition of it. I guess personally, as to where like back with DC, like they had pre fifty two, and then it cold stopped, and then restarted anew with new fifty two. Yeah. As to where Marvel really hasn't done that. Really, I mean, I guess the Ultimate Universe was their reboot without having to reboot right. 616. So, 
I can see I can see both ways really. I just there's some debates that I'd love getting into and then there's <laughs> some that's I'm just like whatever, you can think whatever you want. <laughs> and then I get into some debates, as you know, like on the Slack channel just to to rile feathers up. Yeah. With Garrett, mostly. <laughs> cool man. Um do you have a if I guess we can close with the uh throwback recommendation if I have one if you don't. Go for it. Um and I have this one because it's been a long time since I read it. Uh so I started reading it again recently. Uh but it's Planet Hulk. Have we talked about that? Have we talked about Planet Hulk? Not that much really. Um which I'm sure we will. We're getting ready to <laughs> right now. Um, but it was published in 1999, which, man, it doesn't seem that long ago. For some reason, to me, it no, seems no. more relevant. Yeah, like five years ago-ish. Yeah. I, I always do that all the time. Right. But it's a four... It's a long... I mean, it's a four-arc storyline uh, in Volume 2 of The Incredible Hulk, which I think was still when they had those long-running runs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, but it's by Greg Pak, who's the long tall time Hulk writer who's currently writing Totally Awesome Hulk um, but and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm, I won't spoil it I will tell you like the how it starts though because I think the Hulk concept is super cool um, pretty much Hulk as he always is is like a threat to humanity he's always just out of control yeah. and sort of dangerous um, the Fantastic Four decide he's sort of uh, we just can't have that you know that danger around people anymore so they take Hulk um, they put him on the spacecraft and they just sort of jettison him off to another planet and they pick a planet specifically that they believe is sort of um, doesn't have a ton of super intelligent life just so whatever harm Hulk does there is not you know is at least not harming intelligent life uh, right. But the planet he winds up on, there's a little bit more going on there than probably what they had expected. Um, and I love this sort of story because it reminds me of, and and you'll probably think this makes no sense at all, but it reminds me of sort of Bloodshot Reborn, the Lemire. Yeah, I my favorite that. Lemire title. And the reason is because when you take a character like completely out of his element in order to tell a story that's sort of very untypical for that character. Um, that's sort of what he did with Ray Garrison, and that's what Greg Pak did with Hulk. Um, because Hulk is like the leader in this story, and he, he like leads a resistance to overthrow a leader, a sort of oppressive leader. Um, and this all takes place because... Uh, like, if this story was told on Earth, it could never happen because there's too many established characters that are leaders and Hulk is just sort of this dimwit, you know, compared to all the brightest minds um, right. in the Marvel Universe. But on an entirely new planet, you can, like, you can do whatever you want. Flip the script. So, like, he's still Hulk doing all the Hulkish things, but he's now, in this setting, he's the one with the most ability to be a hero. Um, right. 
So I love, it's, it's, it's really cool. Uh, yeah. it, and I don't think you have to read any tie-ins or issues before or after it, at least not that I remember. Uh, it's nicely contained. I have one correction for you, though. What's that? The Illuminati actually decided to send them off. Was Earth. it the Illuminati? Yeah. Well, wasn't uh, Reed Richards Which, a part of the Reed, Illuminati? Well, Reed Richards was, yeah. But not the Fantastic Four. But not Fantastic gotcha. The Fantastic Four um, picked the planet and the yeah, spaceship yeah. or whatever. And at the same time that my Hawks happening, it kind of negates him from civil, the original Civil War too. Yeah, right. So that's kind of... Kind of the whole plan thing because because uh, the Illuminati's Doctor Strange and Professor X, Reed, Black Bolt, Neymar, yep, somebody else that I'm forgetting, Black Panther, I believe. Yeah. So, what's been bugging me since I heard I heard that somewhere I don't know if it was rumor or if it, it's legit, but part of the Planet Hulk story is going to be in, in Ragnarok. Yeah, that's I'm, what I hear too. Yeah, and that bugs me because I cannot figure out how in the world you can incorporate this story into Ragnarok. Well, unless you have Thor thrown out of Asgard and he lands on the planet that Hulk's already established in, and has been there since um, Age of Ultron. But it just seems like Planet Hulk is such a, a, a complex it's story. So, yeah, in itself, that it's like, how could it just be a sort of side... A sidebar? Yeah, yeah to, I, to yeah. the Thor movie. So I want to see how they do it. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. I'd love to have a whole entire Planet Hulk movie in itself. There's an animated movie. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. I don't do animated. Uh, <laughs> there is, if you're interested. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Is it good? I mean, is it worth, is it like a... Yeah, it's pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think the kids will like it. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Anything else you want to wrap this up? You can wrap it up. That's a good recommendation. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great story. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man, so uh, leave those reviews on iTunes and send us your email address at so you can get a trade or hardcover for free. For Can't free. beat that deal. Yeah. What's our email address again? Uh, ultimatemarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Cool. And where do they reach us on the Twitter first? At, at Mar- Ultimate Marvel Pod. You might want to tweet us there and say that you've left a review. Yeah, that'll work also. Cool, man. It's good talking to you. We'll do it again next time. We won't wait so long. We'll get back to our regular schedule. Our regular scheduled program. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Have a good one.